Welcome to Inside the Album. It's the podcast where we pick our favorite classic rock albums, go deep dive inside, learn all about the songs, the writing of the album, the recording of the album, what was going on with the band at the time, and really just kind of get to enjoy these great, great records that we love so much. I'm Don Seckler. That's Tommy Hilkin. How's it going there, Tom? It's good. I, I'm going to have to raise my energy level today. Look at you on fire over there. <laughs> hey, it's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> or as they say on Facebook, Friday. <laughs> stop it. Just stop it now. All right. Yeah, that's enough of that. I'll club you. <laughs> Bit of Jim, Mor- Jim Norton slipping out there. There you go. There you go. So one of our favorite things about Inside the Album is the charity that we get to work with and tell us all about Music for Mark. Ah, thanks, Don. And really, you know, we, we love the music. So we created Music for Mark. It's our website, musicformark.com, where we bring musical lessons and mu- musical instruments to kids throughout the world, wherever we can deliver them. That's what we're going to do. So the podcast is here to raise awareness for our charity we love music. We want to keep it going. We're going to bring musical instruments and music, musical uh, lessons to kids. So that's what we're looking to do. Right. And if you have any unused or used or just laying around instruments in the basement, the attic, garage, yep. wherever they're at, let us know. And it doesn't have to be a guitar. We'll take any musical instrument that you have. As long as it's in you know decent working order, that's great. And uh, let us know. Just reach out and we'll uh, come by and pick it up for you. Yep. And this week we're looking for a xylophone. <laughs> That's right at the top of the list because our list is in reverse alphabetical order. <laughs> there you go. So it's time, Tommy, for the Inside the Album shout out. Uh, love this. Is my favorite part. So this week, we are giving a shout out to somebody who just arrived. It's baby Logan Blau, Walt Blau's and his lovely wife, Valerie. They just had a baby boy and just uh, came into the world yesterday. And so we're super excited and happy for the Blau family. And baby Logan looks uh, fantastic. Everybody's doing great. Beautiful. Yeah, what a beautiful day. It really was. Yeah. So Love congratulations. You Love you guys. Welcome to the world, baby Logan. And for, you know, if you want to send gifts, I'm sure Walt and, and Val would be very, very happy to receive baby gifts. Yeah. And that's the last shout out for Walt Blau. He's got enough. Thank yeah, you. that's enough. Thank He's you. reached his limit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this there's was special. A, there's a two shout out limit. <laughs> Unless he has another kid. Yeah. <laughs> so this week we are diving into David Bowie. Oh. Amazing, amazing, all time legendary in my easily in my top 10 artists of all time. Uh, just a great, great artist. And we're going to start off with David Bowie. And this is a tough decision for, mm. uh, in terms of thinking about the albums. He's got so many good albums. Um, and it came down to for me to Hunky Dory or Ziggy Stardust. And we're going to go ahead and push forward with Ziggy Stardust. I'm sure we'll do Hunky Dory at some point. Um, so the album is actually called The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. That's uh, a mouthful. So most people just say Ziggy Stardust. Ziggy Stardust, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's the common, uh, you know, common nomenclature, as they say. Mm. 
Hey, listen, you know, I just wanted to say something because you said something. It's easily how David Bowie can slip into everybody's top 10, right? You don't think about it, but man, oh man, I'm sure he's in a lot of people's top that, 10. You know, that's a really interesting thing. I, I don't think, you know, Bowie, Bowie is definitely loved and a legend in most people's oh. minds. But he is one of those guys who's kind of like you don't think about it as much, no, right? No. It's just there, and you know how good he is. It's it's oh. amazing, and this album is so so good, extraordinary. So let's talk about the band. Uh, it, it mm. you know, so it's David Bowie. He's a solo artist, but he was playing with the same group of guys for for this this kind of period of of his career. Uh, so Bowie's on vocals, obviously. He also plays acoustic guitar. He does some keyboards. He plays some horns. He plays a little bit of saxophone on this record. Mick Ronson is the guitar player, the main electric guitar player on, on this uh, record. Also is there on backing vocals, organ, keys, synthesizer, string arrangements. You've got Trevor Boulder, who's mm. bass guitar and also plays the trumpet on this record. Nice. Uh, on the drums, you have Mick Woodmancy, who I'm not that familiar with, but David Bowie's drummer, so he's got to be good. <laughs> yeah, you would think. Yep. And there's also a couple of uncredited uh, performances on this record. So people not really in the band, but one of them kind of was and then left. Uh, the first one, that's Rick Wakeman, who uh, went on to go into uh, the band Yes, and he plays a harpsichord on It Ain't Easy, but it's an uncredited uh, performance. And then Dana Gillespie is uh, backing vocals, which are also uncredited Uncredited on It Ain't Easy. Unbelievable. You know where I first heard about the harpsichord? Nowhere. <laughs> the Adams Family. The only person <laughs> who ever played the harpsichord was Lurch. That's great. <laughs> Come kids, Lurch is going to play the harpsichord. I had no <laughs> idea what it was. I had no idea. It's funny where we learn things. Yeah, always. That's great. So uh, the album came out on June 16th of 1972. Wow. Most of the songs, so yes, this one's going way back there. And you know, wow. the, the thing about this album is 72, this, you think about this album and the, uh, you listen to it now, but in 72, this was like bizarro world because oh. it's, it's got, kind of got crazy themes in it. And you know, you're just coming out of the 60s, going into the 70s here. And so this this record was really, really unusual for that time. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah. well, 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 that was Bowie, plain and simple. Yeah, he was always one. he was always I think he was always thinking about breaking ground. You know, that's yeah. the kind of artist that he was. He didn't really care about pop hits, although he had a bunch of really popular songs. I think he really was focused on the art. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it from the difference between being a pop song and a popular song. I, right. I, I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and even he, even the popular ones. I don't think he really cared. I think he just was going to do his art and that was it. Yeah. He's an original. No, no doubt about it. Never was anybody like him. Never will be. No, definitely. Very unique. Yeah. Yep. So most of the songs on this album were written around the same time as Hunky Dory, which was released right before this album. And so after Hunky Dory was completed, the recording for Ziggy Stardust started in November in 71 at Trident Studios in London. They had some further sessions in early, like February 72. But since they had recorded so close together with the two albums, they had pretty much the whole crew, the sound guys, everybody in the band. It was pretty much the same team on both albums. And they're really diverse albums. So Hunky Dory yeah. is a little bit more piano based. Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, you could say a little bit more laid back and the, for the most part, this one was a much more guitar heavy album. And part of the reason for that was that Rick Wakeman played on Hunky Dory and then wasn't available for this album because then he uh -huh. had moved on to other stuff. And I think he was in Yes at this point in 71. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. so that was a big shift in between the two albums, but still pretty much the same crew. So if we look at the uh, charts back then, we're looking at, and we've talked about this year a couple of times, so you're going to hear some of the same ones. Madman Across the Water with Elton John, we had Led Zeppelin Four, which we did a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. Neil Young Harvest, Alice Cooper Killer. So, you know, the rock landscape was shifting, I think, getting a little, you know, a little mellow, but also the, the Alice Cooper album was a pretty hard rock album that was out at the time. Yeah. Wow. The album uh, Ziggy Stardust made it to number five on the UK chart, but only number 75 in the US, which is surprising to me. Yeah. You know what? Different, you know, doesn't kick in. Right. I think really over the years and when I think about it, people really started to appreciate Bowie. Right. Not initially. Yeah. Right. When you think about it. And that's what happens, I think, with people who break ground. It's so weird to people at the time that they don't get it right away. And sometimes it takes some time for that genius to sink in. You see that a lot, I think. Well, you think about it, what, what was the 60s, you know, the birds and that kind of thing. And, you know, that kind of music where the super bands, the super groups, right. and along comes the this hippie guy. music. Yeah. Yep, exactly. We weren't we really didn't transition yet into it, but it was coming. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is like the, this is the start, really, of glam rock. I mean, there was T-Rex and those bands were around at the time. But Bowie really was the kind of the king of glam rock. And this was very theatrical, too. It's there's a story behind this album. There's costumes. And when he performed it, he dressed up, you know, like Ziggy with crazy costumes. And there's androgyny and space and all these weird things, which we'll talk about. But the album went on to sell seven and a half million copies worldwide, making it Bowie's second best-selling album. Rolling Stone ranked it 35th on their 500 greatest albums of all time. It blows my mind. This, al this album is, is, yeah, some guys are selling 30 million albums. This is a 30 million album. It really is. It, well, it, it's the difference between Elton John and David Bowie. So Elton John is much more accessible wow. to a bigger section of the populace than David Bowie, you know? And I bet you this, you know, now that you're talking about it, you know, a lot of that stuff, and, you know, I, I, I know the 70s, a lot of it was probably unacceptable, you know, the freakiness of David Bowie. And oh, when yeah. I say unacceptable, I mean that unacceptable you know? right well that's the thing this was this album is about its androgyny and it's you know so it's Being space different. alien type stuff and all these things going on yeah. and so that was in people's face and start in the 70s is when you know okay it's getting more accepted to be gay you know, right. people are, those guys are starting to have that struggle. You got the stuff going on in New York City and everything with the, the Stonewall incident. And yep. so, you know, gay people are starting to feel a little bit more empowered to be visual. And that that all kind of freaked out mainstream America. Oh, no doubt. We, we both know it. We both recognize it. Main Street. And this is 1972. Let's not forget, dude. Right. So that's a crazy time where nothing, you know. 
you can think about my parents, my grandparents, those people, their behaviors were completely different. Their right. thought process was completely and, different. And, you know, people don't realize, I think younger people, especially now, don't realize it, but people, you know, guys used to walk around in, in crew cuts and, and shirts and ties all the time. Oh. You know, you didn't wear jeans, you you know, and everybody wears jeans now. Back then you wore slacks and shoes, <laughs> nice. you know, you didn't wear sneakers and jeans and you were wearing a tie and a jacket going to work and, you know, all these oh, things. Oh, yeah. In my house, it was put your good pants on. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, when you get into the stuff that is so different than what's happening in society at the time, I think it's harder for people to grasp it in a, on a broad base, but they don't yeah. also understand the genius of it because they're kind of afraid of it because it's changed and it's different. It's 50 years ago, man. Yeah. Yeah, what? for sure. Crazy. Hey, I'm going to throw in some trivia for you. Why, cool. uh, why uh, he became David Bowie. Did you have any, did you hear about that? Why he had to choose the name David Bowie? I do know the story, but go ahead and tell it. Yeah, it's just that his name is David David Jones, and and Davy Jones from the Monkees was so popular that there was no way they could compete with the name. Yeah. So, so he chose uh, David Bowie. Right. So he had to go a different way because of the Monkees, a TV the band. <laughs> because of the Monkees. Yeah. But don't let's not forget uh, Jimi Hendrix opened up for the Monkees. That's true. That's true. There's <laughs> been a lot of weird combinations through the years. Dude, I want a ticket to that even in my dreams i want a ticket to that right? <laughs> that would have been classic yeah band i mean bowie is really now at his peak so he's had yes. a couple of kind of hit songs and hunky dory was super strong this album is strong aladdin sane which is the next album is and and so he just keeps going with these crazy good albums so yep. uh, you know this is really kind of this like the start of of bowie's success and really like breaking through as an all-time legend and you look at his string of albums while none of them were like like thriller by michael jackson where they dominated the charts for for a year or anything like that they're so good. The records are just yeah. good. F one after another, after another, good. after another. Just classic, great albums. I love that you said legend, and that—that's—that's that's the thing, man. Legendary David Bowie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Great, great stuff. So the album cover, and we'll show it here on the video on YouTube, is photographed by Brian Ward in monochrome, and then they recolored it. And uh, so they took a picture and then colored the, the picture and then that became the album cover. And it's Bowie dressed up like Ziggy in front of this uh, building 23 Hedden Street in London. And it's outside the home of Furrier's K. West. So interesting thing about this, a couple of years ago, just recently, somebody noticed that a younger person noticed that and thought it was bowie like foretelling the coming of kanye west <laughs> nobody could do that nobody. No. Nobody. so nobody's crazy right good. but uh, no, you know, nobody's that good right nobody. right so yeah i'm gonna project a guy 50 years in the future who's gonna do something completely different than what i do the forthcoming of kanye west of all people uh, <laughs> I haven't looked at it quite that way. That's yeah. good. So the album is kind of a loose concept album. It's Ziggy Stardust and and his kind of his story. He's this fictional androgynous bisexual rock star who's sent to Earth as a savior before an impending apocalyptic disaster. Nice. So 
the the interesting thing is that the concept though was developed after the songs were recorded so they wrote these songs and they started to fit and i guess they started to kind of piece them together so they get the story going through them and so then after the whole thing is put together then they kind of come up with that concept so it's a little bit of cart before the horse but it all kind of works together really well i think yeah just like cart before the horse yeah yeah people know what that means 50 years later <laughs> <laughs> it's an old phrase google it <laughs> very old so like i said before hunky dory was a really a piano driven kind of song uh or album and uh ziggy yeah. stardust is a guitar based album and again that's due to the departure of uh rick makeman who played all the piano parts and keyboard parts previously uh the albums talk lyrics talk about a lot of uh different issues one is the artificiality of rock music there's some political uh. issues some drug use sexual orientation and stardom so he covers all the bases <laughs> that's me in the 70s in a nutshell <laughs> There you, Sec go. you had some you sexual orientation issues <laughs> you couldn't have went with the stardom part <laughs> <laughs> the the other interesting thing is that Bowie also uses American slang and pronunciations throughout the album. So, you know, again, you have a British artist that is kind of reaching out to America for influences and and putting those into their music. The one of the co-producers Ken Scott said that 95% on the of the vocals on this album were first takes so that's crazy because they're fucking amazing mm -hmm. uh, you know and we hear over and over again how the best songs generally are coming together quickly and they're recorded quickly or written quickly and here it is bowie just killing it on on these uh vocal performances and they're pretty diverse so there's some yeah. rock in there it's some is a little bit laid back there's a little bit jazzy stuff which we'll get into so it's a it's a wide variety of stuff but they also said that Bowie had a real sense of purpose during the sessions and he really knew what he wanted for each track. So, you know, this again points to the genius of David Bowie. Like he's got this whole thing has come together in his head and he's kind of like, you know, like we've talked about before, like an Eric Clapton or um, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys where he's so focused and so genius on this concept. He knows exactly what he wants and how to get it done. Yeah, and he's one of those guys, when you're doing 95%, you, know, you can do it on your feet, right? You're thinking on your feet, you're creating on your feet. I just wanna share this, the other day I listened to a first take of Let's Dance, you know, a Bowie song, Let's Dance. And it was the first take they ever did with the band and just hanging out in the background and it was incredible <laughs> yeah you know, yeah so i know exactly scary good. what they're scary yeah, i know good. what they're talking about this guy when he decides to go up and all right let's do this and you know i've watched some documentaries on him man he was really intense uh when it came to producing albums tremendous yeah. stuff yeah so good stuff right. oh, so yeah. let's let's get into the songs here we're gonna yeah. we're gonna since this is a single album there's 11 songs we'll be able to go through them all um the first opener is uh the first song the opener of the album is five years and this one kind of has a little bit of a build up at the beginning it's it kind of fades into this uh this steady drum beat that you're gonna hear here mm-hmm Pushing through the 
market square So many mothers sighing News had just come over We had five years left crying News guy wept and told us really dying he cried so much his face was wet then I knew he was not lying I heard telephones opera house favorite melodies I saw boys toys electric irons and TVs my brain hurt like a warehouse it had no room to spare I had to cram so many things to store in there and all the fat skinny people and all the tall short people and all the nobody people and all the somebody people I never thought I'd need so many people girl my age went off hadn't pulled her off I think she would have killed them A soldier with a broken arm Just there to the wheels of a Cadillac Cop knelt and kissed the feet of a priest And the queer threw up the sight of that I think I saw you in an ice cream parlor Drinking milkshakes cold and long Smiling and waving and looking so fine Don't think you knew you were in the song And it was cold and it rained So I felt like an actor And I thought of more And I wanted to get back there Your face, your race The way that you talk <laughs> This one uh, starts off, as you can hear, it's the, you know, announcement of the kind of the earth is dying. You've got five years. So it's this apocalyptic disaster announcement. And so the track, and you can hear it here where it really starts to build up. It just starts off very calm and slow. And then it, it gets to this building stage and Bowie's almost like screaming in the vocal. So it's super powerful. What a storyteller, man. Amazing. This yeah. is the toughest. This is the toughest part of our show. Is that <laughs> there's no way you ever stop that song. No. You, just, you, you, just, you know, like where do where do you decide that that's the toughest part? We'll leave it for another well, time. This, and, you know, so I have this on oh. vinyl, and, mm. and like in preparation for this, I just kept flipping the record. 
<laughs> like I'd be all day. I just want first side, first side, second side, first side, second side. I'm just, I can't get enough of it. Well, the memories that just flashed through, I actually just, just, I swear to God, I got goosebumps, man. It, it's just the greatest, yeah. the greatest. Amazing track. Amazing. So Bowie chose five years as the length of time following a dream he had in 1971 in which his late dad came to him and told him that he only had five years left to live and he must never oh. fly again. Oh, wow. Could you imagine having that dream? Your dead father is telling you don't get on a plane. You've only got five years to live. Yeah, it makes touring That's fucked tough. up. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So the first two verses are from the point of view of a kid who hears the news for the first time and then goes numb as it starts to sink in. And then by the third verse, Bowie addresses the listener directly while also introducing uh, or indirectly introducing the character of Ziggy Stardust. So it's got that tie in, you know, there's there's one song on the record that's kind of not in the Ziggy storyline, but this one is is definitely there and, and starting it off. All right. Yeah. So let's move on to number track number two. This one is Soul Love. So this one, it's pretty jazzy, right? At the beginning, it's that, got that little jazz kind of vibe, and then it turns into this kind of guitar song all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, you get the feel of you're starting to see the signature Bowie growing, you know? Yes, yeah, you can definitely feel that, right? Right, right in yeah. there, yeah. As yeah. you look back, yeah, you know, this was this is where his comfort zone was, you know? You can feel it. Friggin' amazing. Yeah. And the lyrics in this one are about uh, a bunch of the characters dealing with love before the impending disaster that will destroy the earth that was described in five years. So again, there's that tie in back to this Ziggy Stardust story about the uh, the earth ending. So let's move along to number three. And this is one of my favorites. Just I love the opening of this song. Uh, this one is Moon Age Daydream. Invader, I'm a space invader. I've been 
So this one, uh, again, you know, I'm just blown away by the riffs. The riffs are so good on these songs. <laughs> it's and it's such a good balance of it's so the whole song isn't it's not like the stones where the riff just never stops. Right. It's like the riff is there and then you kind of it goes into the background a little bit and then it's more that kind of like you were saying that bowie kind of yeah. jazzy but still a rock kind of feel to it it's hard yeah, to the, describe well the fill you know the, the chord you're striking the chords yeah. but and then it blends in and you can see with bowie you know big fan of building his music around acoustic guitar which you wouldn't think but you hear acoustic throughout all the time yeah and that's right. actually bowie playing the acoustic yeah. so he's doing the acoustic parts mark ronson is doing the electric parts Perfect. um but this this song was written during uh bowie did a promotional tour of the us in uh february of 1971 and while he was on that tour, he wrote a bunch of songs that are on this album, and this is one of them. Beautiful. What a great tune. So interesting story. He originally wrote this song for the fashion designer Fred Burnett, uh, or Fred Burrett, sorry, I'm reading here, <laughs> who, Bowie, who Bowie met in the Sombrero Gay Bar and decided to groom for stardom. So uh. Barrett, who changed his name to Freddie Barrett, Freddie Barretti, Freddie Barretti. <laughs> he's wow. credited with a vocal uh, as a vocal on the song, but they, they, his, he's not actually on the record. <laughs> so, you know, David Bowie at this time had done an interview and told people he was gay. He ended up marrying a woman. So I don't know that he was. 100% gay, maybe it was bi or whatever, but you know, it's that whole uh, sexual orientation, ambiguity stuff is something that Bowie kind of embraced at this time. Yeah, the, the I'm not telling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. No, I was just going to say it's time for you to start grooming for stardom. 
<laughs> I'll groom you. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. But... Oh my god! Too um, funny. Next song, please. <laughs> one more, one more comment on this. So he recorded originally uh, recorded the song and the also the uh, another song hang on to yourself which is also on this record he recorded these with a band which is kind of a bowie side project known as arnold corns that is they recorded this and then released it as a single and it flopped so bowie took the song back rewrote it a little bit to fit the ziggy thing and it's a great song that is on this album so you know it was out there as a single didn't do anything with this other band I haven't heard it, so I'm not sure exactly what it sounded like, but the uh, this version uh, is pretty damn good. This is number four, and this is uh, probably one of Bowie's biggest hits or most well-known songs. This is Starman. So amazing, amazing song. One of my all-time favorites. This, this song was basically, I think it was the last song written for the album. And it was actually written because the head of RCA said he didn't hear a single on the album. Ah. So they wrote this as specifically as a hit song, you know, trying to create a hit song for the record company. It worked. Yeah. And great tune. They actually had to replace the song on the album that was going to be on this that that with Starman, and it was a, a cover of Chuck Berry's "Round and Round." There you go. Which I, I got now. I have to find that and hear it yeah. because I I've never heard Bowie doing "Round and Round" by Chuck Berry, and I I need to hear that now. <laughs> I'm with you. So everybody, tune in, find that. Yeah, seriously, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure great. it's out there somewhere. Um, uh. And then this story is, again, part of the Ziggy thing. So it's told from the point of view of one of the youths who hears Ziggy. 
And the chorus is loosely based on Over the Rainbow, sung by Judy Garland from Wizard of Oz and from 1939. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of interesting stuff going on with this song, but it's just a classic. I mean, these days, I think it's in like some commercials and stuff like that, but just a great, great song. Love it. All right. So let's move on. We'll go to track number five. And this one is a cover song. This is It Ain't Easy. So the thing I like about this song is it's kind of like, okay, it's a nice little song up front and then bam, that chorus like smacks you in the face and it's so yeah. good. The song was, it was the first song that they recorded for the album and it's a cover of a Ron Davies song. I'm not familiar with Ron Davies though. No. The song was actually intended for Hunky Dory. So it was, I guess it was probably recorded at the end of those sessions. Right. And they decided not to use it there and then ended up using it here on uh, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust. This is the song that has the uh, harpsichord uh, with Rick Wakeman on there. And wow. um, when the song came out, critics had a problem with it because it's the only song on the record that doesn't have part of the, the Ziggy story in it. Right. So, you know, people, you know, some of the critics had problems with that. I don't because I like the song a lot, but, you know, I could see where, you know, it, if it, it, as a concept album, you, you kind of want to have that continuity, I would think. <laughs> or but not. Who am I? Who am I? I'm not David Bowie, that's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. You know what I just realized here, you know, and it's a fantastic way to look at it. You know, David Bowie's voice fit his persona. Oh, it's you perfect, know, right? Right? You know, no matter yeah. where he's singing, it's it's David Bowie, but it's David Bowie as David Bowie. It's amazing. The whole persona and voice, perfect match well, in this song. Yeah, and you know, he's a real, he's such a, you know, they say chameleon, but David Bowie is like the original chameleon of going from, from different thing to different thing, you know, different styles, different... You know, but they all come back to Bowie. It's like you said, yeah. it's that, you oh, know, they, yeah. they're they like spokes on a wheel, kind of yeah. his albums. I, yeah. I look at them that way. I agree with you. Always comes back to him. You're right. Yeah. All right. So let's take a listen to track number six. This is Lady Stardust. Jump. 
So this song was written in right within days of, of the writing of Ziggy Stardust itself, that song. So they're really closely related. Uh, mm. It presents an unfinished tale with no hint of resolution. And the song also uses both he and she in the lyrics, showing that kind of lack of gender distinction and the androgyny thing that, that Bowie was going for on this album. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, you know, you were talking earlier that he got this all like on the first take. And when you listen to the song, you could just see him sitting there doing this. You know, yeah, it really right? took me there, right? Somebody sitting at the piano, him singing along. It just yeah. flows perfect. Genius. Yeah, genius. Just definitely genius. And, you know, there's been some great, amazing Bowie performances over the years, and a lot of them have been on television, actually. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they did, I think it was like Top of the Pops in, in Britain when they, they first did the Ziggy song live, and that was back then. And there's a performance that David Bowie thing, I think it was the concert after like the 9-11 thing that was in New York. Okay. And Bowie came out and he has his hair down to his shoulders, long hair, which was unusual for Bowie in the, you know, those late days. Mm -hmm. He sits down on the edge of the stage with a little Casio keyboard, like a little tiny <laughs> one, and just like is cr crazy great performance. So, you know, you get him on stage in these costumes, doing the rock thing, or he's sitting on the stage at Madison Square Garden with a, a little toy keyboard doing a song. Yeah. So he's all over the place, but in a great, great way. <laughs> Very much so. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on. This is track number seven, and this one is called Star. This song to me, I mean, this is a very typical Bowie. It starts right. off as this kind of laid back song and then turns into this rock jam. You know, it's yeah. crazy good. I love it. Yeah, it's got a little uh, 60s influence in there. You can feel it, you know? Yeah, maybe a little little Richard or, you know, some one of those piano guys from the 50s. You know, Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry yeah. Lee Lewis, yeah. Yes. So yeah. they they uh he wrote this and then they actually demoed it at uh, radio luxembourg studios and it was originally titled rock and roll star which you know is makes a lot of sense because it's very close to the the uh the lyrics um but he originally bowie gave it to a little known band called chameleon in july of 1971 before deciding to record it himself as well 
uh, in September. And again, rewriting the lyrics a little bit to fit the uh, narrative of Ziggy Stardust. So that's interesting. How does a chameleon find a band named Chameleon? That's unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. Right. What are Look the odds? <laughs> what are the odds of that? Great. All right. So let's jump ahead here. We're going to go to number eight. And this is Hang On To Yourself. Little bit of Ramones in there, right? So I, uh, I said Ramones wow. there, but there were no Ramones yet. It's probably more T-Rex, right? Well, no, no, I, I get it. the Ramones picking up on that. Yeah. You know? And and I, I hear I hear the Guess Who with American Woman in there. I, I hear Dave Edmonds, you know, all these bands that came after. Yeah. All in one song. It's rock and roll, right? It's rock and roll, baby. <laughs> That's it. Thank you for saying that. So this is another song that was written during the promotional tour of America in February of 71. So Bowie was really hyper, hyper productive during this time. Yeah, just amazing, man. All right. So let's take a listen to the title track. This is Ziggy Stardust. Jamming good with weather and gilly And the spiders from Mars They played it left hand But made it too far Became the special man Then we were Ziggy's band Ziggy really sang Screwed up eyes and screwed down hairdo like some cat from Japan He could lick them by smiling He could leave them to hang They came on so loaded, man Well hung and snow-white tan Crush 
So this whole song is uh, actually based around that Mick Ronson riff there that, you know, is mm -hmm. so, so familiar. Great, great riff. Oh, yeah. Bowie based the whole clothes, the hair, and the makeup of the Ziggy Stardust character on Malcolm McDowell, on a Malcolm McDowell character in A Clockwork Orange, ah. and also on William Burroughs' book Wild Boys. So some of the posturing that that the you see the Ziggy character do, and if you look at the old videos of Bowie, you can see this very clearly. Yeah. Um, it, He's it's inspired like the way he stands and everything is inspired by Gene Vincent, the rockabilly star who uh, had injured oh. his leg in 1960 in a car accident that killed Eddie Cochran. Oh, and so when Bowie saw Vincent in concert, he was wearing a leg brace. And so he had to stand with his injured leg behind him and then straight. And so Bowie kind of took that and turned it into this. Oh, that's <laughs> so, interesting. That's yeah. So he called it, Bowie called it position number one for the embryonic Ziggy. So he's, you know, he's trying to make this weird, right? <laughs> it's definitely, and he's he grabbing did, stuff. Yeah. yeah, he's grabbing stuff from everywhere and, and creating this crazy story, which is just amazing, amazingly good. What a great song. Think about how many times you listen to that song in your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's one you never get tired of. Just such yeah. a great, great song. You know, my wife and I talk about it a lot. There's some songs that come on that you just don't shut off. You know, you drive around the block if you have to. <laughs> this is one yeah, of right. You sit in the car, right? Yeah, you wait you till it's car. over. Yeah. Yeah, always. Definitely one of those. All right. So let's jump ahead. Uh, we're going to get this is one of Bowie's, you know, legendary, again, another legendary, legendary song. It's track number 10 on this album, and it's Suffragette City. Ugh. So this one, very a lot of boogie woogie in this, right? It's it's kind of mm -hmm. old school groove. That that piano riff, it's heavily influenced by Little Richard. Yeah, it's a killer. And uh, the other interesting thing about the the music on this, so you hear the saxophone in the background. Mm -hmm. That's actually a synthesizer. So it's we okay. go back to remember you talked about the Beatles and I think Harrison George Harrison was using that ARP synthesizer. Yeah, yeah. This that's the same thing Bowie was using here. And they wanted a larger than life sax sound, so they used the synthesizer to create the sounds that a real saxophone couldn't create. Awesome. So that was that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, this song again, another song that Bowie offered to somebody else. Can you imagine? He's gonna get, guy's gonna give away like one of his all time best songs. Yeah. So he offered it to Mott the Hoople, but they declined. Instead, taking all the young dudes, which is a Bowie song as well. Dude. I wrote, I wrote down earlier, I gotta tell you. 
<laughs> out of nowhere, I think of the bands that I hear, and I wrote down Mont the Hoople. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear it, you know, and yeah, All the Young Dudes was a Bowie song. Yeah. Mont the Hoople, of all people, to make it to the show. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's take it over to the album Closer, and this is uh, the demise and dissolution of Ziggy Stardust. So uh, the completion of the story here, and this song is Rock and Roll Suicide. Nice. takes a cigarette puts it in your mouth you pull on your finger then another finger then cigarette the water wall is calling it lingers then you forget oh 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 you're a rock and roll suicide Too old to lose it Too young to choose it And the clock waits so patiently on your song You walk past the cafe But you don't eat when you've lived too long Oh no, no, no You're a rock and roll suicide Get breakfast snarling as you stumble across the road. <laughs> but the day breaks instead, so you hurry home. Don't let the sun blast your shadow. Don't let the milk float rob your mind. They're so natural, religiously unkind. Oh no, love, you're not alone. Okay. So this is the end. It's the end of Ziggy Stardust. And it's kind of a like a 50s-ish feel to this. Just, you know? Yeah, just I love when a song has that, the chord that just goes bang. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. It's I, so good. Just oh, a, a great... the, sad, the sad part about it, I'm listening to this, and it's kind of like, you know, it was Bowie predicting the, he was a heavy smoker. It's what took him out. Yeah. Yeah. Never he could never quit yeah so sad yeah but it's a fitting i mean the song is a perfect end this album you know it's it's a little melancholy it's a little laid back it's it's a it's an old school song kind of uh but it you know it ties everything together it, to me it's a perfect ending to this album i was just gonna say it, it's it's the end of the album it's, yeah. it's so well <laughs> no so well structured that it, it couldn't go anywhere else but to end this album to end yeah. the story beautifully done my god so that's ziggy stardust oh, hope you enjoyed god. it thank I you did. for listening thank you. <laughs> thank you for watching thank you for yeah
Thank Subscribe, you, like, click the buttons, do the things, give us five-star reviews whenever you can. Don, we're podcasters, damn it. <laughs> and so next week, we're going to go inside the album Boston, the first album ah, of Boston. There you go. Get into the, uh, you know, the rock and roll and hear the stories. And there's a lot of stories behind that album. So it's going to be very, very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. That was fantastic. Good job, Don. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Thanks. everybody for watching, listening, and we'll see you next week.